0: Here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine, and um, happy December 15th. We are pretty much midway through the month, um, 10 days before Christmas, if that's what you celebrate. So, uh, this is an exciting time for everybody. We're uh, getting ready to bring in the new year and hoping that it's going to be so much so much more enjoyable than uh, 2020. I'm not going to say it was a bad year. I'm just going to say it was hard to enjoy it. (laughs) Let's just say it like that. Um, Do you realize how powerful you are? You are the whole world to those who serve. Whether it's your children and grandchildren or people you nurture through your life's work, your voice matters. You can open hearts with a smile. You see what's happening in the world, and you know you have to do something. There's power brewing within you that today's special guest, and this is what Carrie Hummingbird, Sammy, has said, um, called fierce love. This is what she calls fierce love. You might think your relationship with your mother is normal and be completely unaware of the mother wound, yet the mother wound affects every human being alive. And is the reason why humanity has suffered over the last several thousand years. Some signs of the underlying mother wound include self-doubt, shame, lack of confidence, feeling dismissed or ignored, distracting and numbing, doing it all yourself and so many other things, self-sabotage, broken relationships. Carrie's new book, Love is Fierce, is all about healing the mother wound within you so you can bring fierce love to your family, community, and the world. Healing the mother wound is the key to living your divine purpose and making a real difference. Until you know your fierce love, you'll hold back from being all you can be. Carrie Hummingbird Sammy is a soul guide, shamanic healer, award-winning author and an inspirational speaker with over 20 years of experience in leading by inspiration and a special passion for empowering women to be the artists of their lives. I love that. She is certified in energy medicine by the Four Winds Light Body School, certified as a spiritual coach by the artists of the Spirit Coach Training Program and Heather Ashamara, certified in empowerment and firewalk training by Sundor and certified as a warrior goddess facilitator. So this is a woman who knows what she is talking about. Good morning, (laughs) Carrie. Welcome.
1: (laughs) Good morning, Randy. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you again for another conversation. I love our Mm -hmm. conversation.
0: Yes, um, me too. We, we yes. really do have a lot to, t- to say to each other and to our listening audiences. Um, yeah, Carrie was with us before talking about um, the light, the um, four winds, and all those kind of shamanic things and earth things. And it was really inspirational. Um, so, you have released this book, Love is Fierce, which is about healing the mother wound. Why is it called Love is Fierce?
1: Well, it is it, it, so it's gonna be launched on January twentieth, twenty twenty one. So it is on pre order right now. And it's called Love is Fierce because this is really the acknowledgement that we have some ideas about what love is that are maybe not quite as accurate as uh, as what we experience. And so we can kind of say, well, difficult things are not love because love is supposed to be gentle and nurturing and sweet and all these things. And if you don't get that, then you think, well, I didn't get love. That's not love. And in actuality, what this whole process has opened up for me is a realization that as a soul, I have a soul's curriculum And that my um, everything I experience in my life is leading me to learn the things that would support my soul's curriculum. And some of those things are uncomfortable and painful and difficult. And that's still love because love is all that is, it's everything. So it's fierce in that way it's fierce, it's exacting, it's precise, it's unbending and it leads you to the place you need to get to which sometimes we don't want to go because maybe that might be some personal responsibility right it might be something difficult or a challenging conversation or something we just don't want to do because it makes us feel uncomfortable and yet love is unbending love brings us to that place and sometimes love brings us there through our through the design of our mother and our um, interaction with her and her her being, her state of being, who she is, and then who we are might be at odds, right? I mean, we've experienced some of that, haven't we, Randy?
0: Both of us. We both have the mother wound. <laughs> both of us.
1: We have talked I wanna about I want to say that, that everybody does. Like, okay. everybody on the planet has the mother wound. You can't not have it because it's the state of consciousness of humanity. And, and I, I want to just give a bigger context if that's okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, we, we're all aware of the patriarchy, you know, at this point, we're all aware of like this patriarchal society construct that we've had, that's very controlling and demanding. And, you know, it's got structures and rules and, and everybody's supposed to just fit in with this thing. And if you don't, well, you're forced to kind of, you know, so there's a lot in the patriarchy that we've been witnessing and it's been going on for several thousand years. You know, human history has been really controlled by the patriarchy for several thousand years. So, well, what a lot of people don't realize is that before the patriarchy took over, there was the matriarchy and the matriarchy had some also things that people didn't like, which is why it switched over to patriarchy. So if you think back to, like, if you if you just look at your history and you learn about um, archaeological finds that they've had, like, say, the Mayan people, if you look at the um, <clears throat> Chichen Itza, for example, which is a temple in Mexico, the design of the temple and everything, they did sacrifices at the top of that temple. Like, they would have human sacrifices. And all of that was from the matriarchy. The matriarchy did sacrifices. So if you start to look at that and you just let your mind expand on that for just a moment, you can see why maybe humanity decided we wanted some control put into place on some of the (laughs) wildness of the feminine energy that was going on. Right. Like that's kind of scary.
0: Mm, Very, you know,
1: in the bigger context, we can understand why, why we've had the patriarchy, but, but the thing that's happened with the patriarchy is a total denigration of the matriarchy. It's a total denigration of females. It's control and subordination and suppression of feminine energy. And feminine energy and masculine energy runs in every single person. So every person alive has the mother wound because we all are experiencing the suppression of the feminine energy by the patriarchy over the last thousands of years. We've inherited this from our ancestors along with a lot of patterns of abuse. And all of us are affected by that abuse. So just because you're in a man's body doesn't mean you haven't been affected by, um, you know, women being raped, for example, or molested, still affecting you because we're all born of a mother. And the mother's womb holds all of her consciousness. So when a baby is forming inside of a mother's womb, it's stewing in that mother's inherited Um, patterns from her ancestry as well as her personal consciousness so you're inheriting all of humanity down your ancestral line everything your ancestors have experienced everything your mother has experienced her views of life the prevailing views of life from her collective consciousness the society she lives in everything is inherited by you so in fact whether you're you know born into a female body or a masculine body it doesn't matter you're inheriting the mother wound So we all have it and it expresses in us in different ways. And it's certainly most intense in some ways, or we can think of it that way. But some some sons would argue with you about it. If you said it's really intense between mothers and daughters, we all kind of acknowledge it is, but it also has got dynamics that are hidden between mothers and sons and maybe just haven't been spoken about as much. So it really affects every single one of us. It's something that we We need to do to heal ourselves and our ancestry is to look into this mother wound and see how it's expressing within us in our unconscious beliefs, our unconscious behaviors, and the way we hold relationship. And it's not just a relationship with ourselves and with our families, also with the earth, because who's the ultimate mother of us all is Mother Earth. And we're kind of disrespectful to her right now. Wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, I definitely would say <clears throat> that is so interesting. And, you know, I mean, I guess we know that genetics um, play a role in who we are and it goes back and back and back. But I don't know that we ever really thought about this mother wound. And, I, you know, I'm really surprised to hear that the the female energy, the female um, dominancy or dynasty or whatever it was, had caused human sacrifice what was wrong with these people it's so hard to grasp that Um, but do you think that that is the only reason that the male energy the male dominance took over
1: I think it has to do with the amount of power that a woman can wield amazing actually and see many of us that are alive in female bodies today, we may not be aware of the power that we hold within us because it's been domesticated and conditioned out of us and we've been made into victims. You know, we have a victim mentality. Um so but when you actually open back up to your divine inherent gifts, you'll see that a woman's body is is like um just a wisdom factory. I mean, you know you're just so able to tap into You know, everything around you, um, we actually have, science has proven we have way more sensing receptors than a masculine body, at least double, if not almost triple, the sensing receptacles. And what that means is that um, we have two to three times the ability to sense the world around us than a person in a masculine body, which is how women pick up on nuances of things. Like we are, when we are tapped into that, we can, we can tell, Oh, somebody just had an argument five minutes ago. I don't know who it was. Let me, let me feel into that. And I'll, you know, I'll know who's been, and then you can feel it. Actually, you can feel who's, who had the argument. You just know it. And, you know, this, this is what enables mothers to be, you know, we're so tapped into our children, um, that it's, it can be invasive. So, um, this is why um, a lot of the churches, you know, said, oh, well, women's gifts are evil. And so don't listen to your intuition. It's evil because, you know, maybe it was used in a kind of a less than integrous way in the in the past centuries before the patriarchy took over. So we have this opportunity, each one of us, to unlock the feminine gift within us. And whether in a masculine body or a feminine body, it doesn't matter. But certainly in a feminine body, you, you have two to three times the ability To sense and know things by tuning into that intuition inside your body. And when you know a lot of things like that, it doesn't mean you use that information to your advantage, right? So we have to learn some integrity around it. We have to learn how, you know, when is the right time to, you know, to act on that information and when is not. You know, this is something that we'll be learning over the coming thousands of years that we're opening up right now is how to balance the masculine and the feminine energies, how to unlock our own intuition and our access to wisdom that's just all around us in every space, in the universe, in the earth, everywhere. The trees, the rocks, the mountains, everything has wisdom that we can unlock for ourselves. As we do this, we have great responsibility because with great power comes great responsibility. So, yeah, we want to use these gifts in a a way that has integrity now, and that's really going to be the lesson of humanity moving forward. So how do we unlock
0: this, um, this mother wound? Where do we begin?
1: Well, we begin with our own mother because, you know, like she's our physical example of the mother coming through us um, and being inherited by us. So our relationship with our mother reveals all the patterns that we're here to heal in this lifetime on behalf of our ancestry and that for our own soul's curriculum, that this, whatever piece your mother gave you is the piece that you needed to face in order to ha- cultivate more integrity. So whatever your mother's doing for you that you think is against you, is actually for you so that you can learn those skills and you can, you know, develop the ability within yourself to be, um, you know, a mother or a father that has greater integrity than what you received. And we just have to remember some grace here because just remember that we've inherited thousands of years of patriarchal suppression of the feminine patterns that we're inheriting are difficult patterns. And the people that carry them and hand them off to us maybe didn't have some of the tools and resources that are opening up for us in this very unique window of time right now. So to have some grace that... um, that you were supposed to have the mother you had, you signed up for it somehow. And I know sometimes that triggers people when I say that. But as a soul, how else are you going to learn your soul's curriculum unless you're set up for it by the person who's, you know, birthing you into the world? So, you know, we all choose that starting point. And then it's our puzzle to solve to get ourselves through our soul's curriculum into the place of integrity to learn the lessons that we said we wanted to learn and become the kind of person in the the new vibration in our ancestry that we said we would do. So we're all here to do that work right now. Certainly anybody listening to this broadcast, you know, is here right. to do that
0: Absolutely. work. Absolutely. I love how you call it our soul's curriculum because most people and probably me always say life lessons or soul lessons or personal growth or, you know, soul growth, but you say soul's curriculum. That is just beautiful. It, and it, it, well, it's so, like you're in
1: school. <laughs>
0: yes, it totally it totally is. I mean, that says it all, it really does. Um, so our mother helps us cultivate integrity. For some of us, it's easier than others. So how would a good mother help us cultivate integrity?
1: Well, you know, this is really such a tricky question because things that we'll be healing ourselves of in the next thousands of years is our human tendency to want to label things as good or bad. (laughs) (laughs) We really like that labeling system because what it does is if, if it's good, then we let it in. And if we label it as bad, we push it away. And if you look at the bigger picture, I just talked about the soul's curriculum, there's no mistakes everything is here for you so pushing away half the lessons because it's distasteful isn't you're not doing the full soul curriculum so there's there's really challenging things that happen in relationships and with our parents especially our mother because you know our mother is the one who is our direct link to a feeling a sense or a promise of being nurtured right we're nurtured inside the womb by the body of our mother and so we expect that to continue you know that we'll have this nurturing happening on the outside of the body and when that doesn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen or expected it to happen that's when we start to have these like labeling well that's good and that's bad and then the judgments begin we judge this is good and that's bad or this person's a good person or that person's a bad person when actually there's just a soul's curriculum. So I want to try to make it clear, but go ahead, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no, you know, I'm just thinking and, and, you know, when I think about you and I and the work that we have had to do to grow from the mother wound uh, in in this incarnation um, and so many people that I work with, have had to do the same or are trying to do the same. Uh, It seems that, you know, I always think that the harder we work for this soul curriculum or soul growth, the faster and, and farther we can go, we can grow. So some of us that have been challenged have really been given the ultimate gift in a sense, because we've had to work extra hard. And, but doesn't that take us farther?
1: It does because um, this is a really interesting thing that I realized along my course of healing. Is that the most powerful, the most powerful truth about your soul's curriculum, is that whatever the core wound is in your life, whatever that core wound, the thing you never got or the thing that you know you needed. That thing is what you cultivate for yourself, and then that becomes your gift to the world. That becomes your dharma. So when you, when you have a particularly challenging case of the mother wound, right, you, you have to learn how to nurture and mother and care for yourself and your inner child. And as you accomplish that, as you get gifted with that, and, you, and it's a lifelong you know, task to learn this, to really deepen and know how to nurture and mother mother and love yourself. That's your gift to the world. You're able now, once you can give that to yourself and even your own mother and certainly your children, you can give it to the whole world because when you can give that, that gift to the person that couldn't give it to you, that you expected to give it to you, when you can give that, you can give it to anybody. I mean, like if you can handle that situation, which is the most vulnerable the most difficult the most challenging you can handle any situation you can have forgiveness for any person it so it is a huge gift to receive this particular challenge and it's it's one that if you receive this wound it's one you signed up for you know and like i said all of us have a varying degrees of this wound even if we think our mother was perfect and she didn't do anything wrong and everything was was just yummy and delicious and, you know, like you wouldn't change a thing. You still have to look at yourself and say, did she do it all for me? Do I know how to do it myself? Is that my mother wound? Hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of ground to cover here, you know.
0: There is a lot of ground to cover. Hmm. So provocative. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, we start with our own mother. We start with our awareness of this wound and the, and the the curriculum we have to, or we we should follow to overcome this mother wound. Where do we Where do we begin, though? If we're beginning with the mother wound, where do we begin? We just begin with soul searching and figuring out what's not working in our lives or how our response is to the mother. Um, Exactly where are we starting?
1: Yeah, that's all. Those are great questions. There's a number of ways you can um, enter into this conversation for yourself. This inquiry, one path of inquiry is to go through and look at um, your own life's patterns, like in, Sometimes seeing those is challenging, right? Because um, we can't see our own eyebrows. You know, we always need a mirror to see it. <laughs> and sometimes we're resistant to seeing it because that means we might actually have to change. And the ego really is okay being the same, even if it's super painful. So so it can be a little challenging to have visibility into your patterns. But probably along the way, you've had some relationships where people said some things about you to your face or otherwise, And you went, no, that's not true. Okay, well, that's the place to start. Whatever you think is not true about you is exactly this place to start. So start looking at what are those things that people keep saying about me that I don't think is true and I don't want to admit it. That's a good Another place to start is to look at your core conflicts with your mother. Like what are the things you always, you know, judge her for? What are the things that you say, gosh, if she was only like this or – You know, my friend's mother is so much better because she's X, Y, and Z instead of, you know, A, B, and C. So whatever those things are, that's a good place to start. And another really good inquiry is to look at, like, what was your mother's life like? What were her beliefs? What were her concerns and fears? What was her challenges when you were in utero? Who was she being when she was making you inside of her? Who was Who was that woman? Because she's probably not the same person that she was then, but that person she was then informs who you are now. So you want to kind of be able to either project based on some stories that she told, things you know about her life, or if she's around and you can talk to her, find out like more about what was she thinking? What was the culture around her? You know, for example, I know that my my I was born in the summer of I was uh, born in the summer of love, so I was born in 1969, and my natural father was very much into the hippie thing. You know, he really liked this free love idea. Of course, he had his own core wounding around that from his own mother. My mother was from Midwest Texas, where. Um, She grew up going to church five days a week because my grandmother was very religious in the Southern Baptist Church in town. And it was a very small town where everybody knew everybody else's business. And my mom thought it was very hypocritical, um, some of the things that were going on there in the era of civil rights with Martin Luther King, talking about freedom and equality. And then here in this little Texas town, they, they have a bathroom for colored people. You know, there's a colored bathroom and there's a white bathroom. And my mom was like a little kid wanting to go into the color bathroom because she likes the rainbow. You know, she can't <laughs> go there. So it doesn't make sense. Like, how come? So my mom just grew up really angry at all that. And, and so, you know, right away we have a core wound of spirituality. Right. I reject God because God has must be a liar if there's people are all, you know, acting this way. And I'm going to reject the whole thing. So she rejected all of it moved to Dallas and met my natural father, who's like, yeah, let's just do what we want. You know, it's just like summer of love, let's free love and whatever else is going on. So she kind of was, you know, facing those uh, dichotomies in her own self and then surprised to get pregnant with me because I was a surprise. I was not anticipated. She was told she couldn't have children. Well, she could. (laughs) She had me. So I was stewed in all of that. Um, mix of of consciousness and and her own judgment of her situation and then you know leaving my natural father out of fear that he might molest me because his boundaries were way too loose so uh, this is kind of what my mom was going through so when I look at that and I start to identify wow okay yeah these are all the core patterns that I inherited And I inherited my mother's relationship with my grandmother. I inherited all of that. And that became part of my life's work. So you can start to look at that and factor that in, too, to whatever you experienced in your own life.
0: You know a great deal about your parents. That is really interesting. I mean, that's historical, what you're talking about now. Um, So my mother grew up in uh, the Depression, the Great Depression. And people were, of course, nobody had money. But my mother, I believe, I don't know. I wish I could have seen this because it would have helped me a lot. I believe that my mother felt like she was above that and that she didn't deserve to be in live in poverty. <clears throat> um, and I think it was the beginning of her narcissism. So... Yeah, and when I came into the world, um, or when I was in utero, she had two little kids, two little girls, and I think she was very impatient, very angry, probably. I mean, she emasculated my father every day of my life, so why wouldn't she have been doing it back then? So I know I, brought, I came into a lot of pain and turmoil. Um, and the overall yeah.
1: picture... You know, if you mm-hmm. look at the overall picture of my mom and your mom, it's like the beginnings of freedom for women, you know, just to to be able to vote, to be able to have a career, to be able to go to college. I mean, that had only just unlocked a very short time before my mom became of age for that to happen. True. Right. And you know, the the not like the culture it caught up, you know, just because some really um frontier women claim that for themselves doesn't mean the overall country you know, culture all the way down in Midwest Texas where they have the Southern Baptist community doesn't mean it caught up there. You know, so we have to also realize that that um the the level of freedom that like I know for a fact that the level of freedom I have today is directly because of my mom being as feisty as she was about confronting um, blocks to her freedom as a woman Hmm. and her stridentness in claiming herself a degree, you know? So there is like, think about the pressure of women entering the workforce when they're really Like in some careers, especially where it used to only be men, there was a lot of the need to to be more perfect than the men because of all the backlash and all the, well, you can't really do this job. You're just a woman. And to have to prove, oh, I can, and to be perfect at it. It's like what I imagine, and I've heard people of color say that I have to be better than people who are white. I have to be better in every way i had to be beyond reproach and i imagine that that was what it was like for my mother's generation and so of course there's this theme of don't uh, don't reveal you know your closet you know the things in your closet stay in your closet because you want people to you don't want them to tear you down so then we have narcissism right and and the lack of like not being able to express our hearts fully because You know, um, we're on guard all the time, you know, just totally on guard, defending all the time. So here comes our generation. They already paved the way on that. So we don't have to fight that battle anymore. And now what our whole thing is, can you be real with me? Can you tell me the truth? Can we talk about our feelings? Can we can we talk about these things publicly and air it out and and move past it? And this is terrifying to our mother's generation. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're not supposed oh, to talk is. about your dirty laundry.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, it is terrifying. I know my mother always said, um, and I didn't understand it, but she, I would say, mom, why don't you go into therapy if you're unhappy? Oh, no, Randy, I am terrified of what's in there. I'm terrified. Well, yeah, if you're a narcissist, that's pretty typical. You will be terrified of what's in there, but um, she was not willing at all to look at herself. Of course, that's you know the hallmark of narcissism. But um, my, you know, my sister grew up. She graduated um, college or high school in 1969, the year that you were born, and I remember her breaking free and how it created such conflict with my parents. My sister, she or she is this person of love, this hippie, you know, love everybody, be free, be understanding, be real. And my parents couldn't take it. They threw her out of the house. I remember one time she came home wearing bell bottoms and she got thrown out of the house because it was so rebellious. (laughs) So there was yeah. A
1: huge, so you can see huge... how far we've come because of people like your sister,
0: right? And I remember, you know, so she was smoking pot, you know, and she thought mom and dad would really benefit from this. This would really calm <laughs> them down. So what does she do? She offers it to them. <laughs> um, of course, they sent her to a psychiatrist.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So so I remember, you know, this this huge conflict in this time, this changing, uh, just really, I mean, it was so, so severe. And I'm thinking about your mom going from this this world of prim and proper and godly to this world of, you know, no boundaries. It's, um, you know, that must have felt really good, but at the same time must have really scared her.
1: No, yeah, well, as soon as she became a mother, right, she's got this baby inside of her, and she's like, uh-oh, th- this not how I was raised, right? Because her, her mother was not like that at all. She was very much a pillar of the community. She was, um, you know, was always having people over. You know, everybody knew everybody's business, so she was beyond reproach, right? She was that kind of person. And, you know, my mom is like, this is probably not conducive for a baby. Like, all of these things that she grew up with. Like when we, when we become a mother, I, I, this is what I experienced. All of a sudden I'm looking to my mother going, how do I do this thing? You know, like I don't know how to do this. And I've got this baby inside of me now. What? And we, we turn to our mothers because that's who raised us. And that's what we know is true. And how do we, how do we do this thing until we start to get a little, you know, a little couple of years underneath our belt it's really scary at first. So I'm just imagining my mother going, "I have got myself in some deep hot water, and I don't know what to do now. <laughs> I don't know how to raise this child." Yeah, I, so, I can imagine. you know, to you know, I feel like I just have so much grace for it now because I, you know, I think that, like many people, I thought to myself, "Well, my mother should just know better. Like she just should know that." That she should have known to be this loving or that loving or this thing, and honestly um she just was who she was you know she was that's who she was um, rectifying within herself as these patterns and how she was raised and um and how and the world that was opening up in front of her and where did she find her place in that with her inquiry? you know where am I on peace and love and 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 structure and routine and church and spirituality and, and, you know, atheism, you know, who, who am I? And, and that what a lot was going on in the culture around her at the time that she was birthing me into the world. So I, I have a great deal of compassion for a person at that time finding herself and trying to make her own way in the world. And a lot of the decisions she made um, at the beginning there, trying to find a better place for me were because of the prevailing times. Like a a good deal of the trauma I experienced was my first stepfather. And she only made that decision because at the time, women weren't really able to support themselves on the salary that they made and support their children. That was just not a normal pattern. Now, my grandmother had done it with my my stepdad. She was a single mom with four kids, and she pulled it off. She had a job, and she was a teacher at a dentist school. So – um, but that was a rare thing. you know, a woman to have her own house and and be the sole parent that was very unusual. So, my mom was in the prevailing culture where you know you had to have a man, and you know, let's face it, a lot of people still believe that today, and we're well past that time so this is um this is really what got her in some hot water. Even deeper, you know. And what really led to a lot of the trauma that I experienced was her cultural need to have a masculine support and, you know, making a, a choice there that, that she thought was a good choice and then finding out it wasn't a good choice and being kind of stuck with it for a few years during my most um, impressionable years as a child. So I can understand all of that now, but only because I was willing to let go of my anger and my resentment and open up to understand things from a new lens and new perspective. And looking at her life and, and, and the choices and the culture and everything that was happening it helps me to understand my own consciousness and how my consciousness began and then what set in motion for me and why I've had all of the challenges I've had and all of the experiences I've had. It's fascinating.
0: It is very fascinating. So how has this brought fierce love to your family, your community, the world?
1: Well, it's brought fierce love to my family for sure, because part of fierce love is forgiveness. And when I say forgiveness, I mean mean the kind of reconciliation, inner reconciliation, that you don't even need forgiveness. It's more like gratitude is that kind of forgiveness. And that's the process I've brought myself through and that I bring people through is how can I how is my mother how was my mother my ideal parent to introduce me to my soul's curriculum? And now that I'm claiming for myself the fruits of my soul's curriculum, I can be thankful To my mother for leading me down the path to claim that fruit for myself and she's the perfect mother for me and you know at that point it's like i just have fierce love for her because she's who she is i chose her how can i blame her when i chose her i chose her to do this for me as a soul i chose it and i can learn to love her unconditionally which means I let go of all of my expectations. Like, if to be a good mother, you should act like this. No, she's the mother that was designed for me. She is who she is. And I love her and accept her unconditionally. It doesn't mean I'm a doormat. I'm not a doormat. I I have done healing on myself so that I don't allow people to walk on me. But almost in a way as I've changed my inner matrix and my own like system of shoulds, like it should be this way, it should be that way of expectations. It's not meeting my expectations. As I've let go of that, she actually shows up a little differently. You know, I mean, I just think the energy is different and she just shows up a little differently, either that, or she'll be herself. And I won't react because it's like, okay, she's being herself again. It's okay. You know, I, I don't need her to be who I want her to be anymore. And that just heals the whole thing. And that goes down to my my sons as well, because I'm a mom. I've had to take a hard look at myself. And one of the things that fierce love has happened between me and my younger son, my older son has been the child that needed a lot of love and attention. At least I thought he needed that. And so I gave it to him. And, And to the exclusion of my other son, like he really got most of my attention. So, my younger son has been the one that is um going back and forth, you know I'm a divorced divorced mom, so back and forth between his dad and me and and the you know his dad and I are polar opposites, which he also chose, so I felt guilty for that for a while, and then I realized, oh, it's his soul's curriculum, okay, I'm not gonna feel guilty for what he chose, okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna release myself from that, and just to go, "Wow, you chose a really interesting configuration, you chose." Your dad and I, which were polar opposites. So I've just, my goal has been to release my animosity towards my ex husband because at some point I realized that my sons, their DNA, their very bodies, house my consciousness and their father's consciousness side by side. So if my, if their father and I are at war in the third dimension, like if we're at war, then they're at war inside their bodies. And I decided I didn't want that. So I healed myself of all triggers having to do with their dad, so that now I'm just in a state of acceptance of who he is and, and I don't, I'm don't, i not adding to the conflict. So what happens now is that um, my son came to me because the whole family sort of was angry at me for all this publishing and talking. i sure you understand what I'm talking about, Randy, cause, yeah, the family I doesn't do. really like it when you start talking about this stuff publicly. No, they So don't. everybody was really angry. They still are kind of angry at me. Mm-hmm. So they're angry because I'm out there talking about this stuff. And uh, my son would come visit. He goes there and then he comes here. And he would every time he would walk in my door, he had like an army with him. You know, I could feel it. I was like, wow, the whole family is with you. You're not just yourself. You're here with the whole family, and that <laughs> feels very antagonistic towards me. So. At one point, I had it sat him down, and I said, listen, we're not going to talk about the other people in the family. It's just you and me. You and me is all there is in this relationship. So I'm going to need you to leave everybody else at the door when you come here. You can pick them back up on the other side, but when you're here, I just want you to be you. And I promise I'm not going to talk about anybody else in the family when you're here. I'm not going to talk about it at all. So once we made that agreement, that was very tense conversation, so healing, and then another month or so later, the big pimple popped, you know, the resentments and all this stuff that he'd been feeling for so long, like they're telling me you're abusing me and all this stuff, right, And, and all this weight on his shoulders of like, am I being abused by my mom, and You know, she ignored me or she focused on Garrett or I didn't get attention. He came to me and he told the whole thing. And I just said, you know what? You're right. You're right. You raised yourself. I was so focused on your brother that you raised yourself. And it was so healing for me to validate him rather than, you know, we always try to resist it and be like, no, that's not true. But that's his reality. I'm not going to deny his reality. I know from my reality, you know, that there's some other things to consider, but he's not going to consider those. Not yet. Not unless he's heard. So I said, you're Absolutely. right.
0: Absolutely. And I, you're think, right. You know, I did do that. We, yeah. And we release our children from so much grief, guilt, shame. You know, um, <clears throat> when I was, when my daughter was three years old, I was a single mother and, um, And I had anger. I really, it just, I developed this anger and everything got on my last nerve. So she was a sweet little girl and she would tell me in the morning, mommy, I had a dream last night. And every time she said it, she said, and you were angry with me. And I kept hearing this and I went, oh God, what am I doing? What am I doing? My daughter's dreaming about me being angry. So I got myself to a therapist (laughs) and I got it fixed. I got it fixed really quick because it was like, Oh shit, I'm going to be my mother. (laughs) So, um, but you know, it, it bothered me for many years, you know, that I subjected her to that because that's not who I am. It's not who I am now. It's not who I intended to be. So I've apologized to her and she said, you know, mom, you changed. I'm so proud of you because you went from that to who you are now. I don't hold that against you. You did what you needed to do to change it. So we had that conversation and she released me and I released her.
1: And it's really powerful when you do that because what I experienced with my younger son was he said, you know, he said all this to me. It's like, I didn't deny it. i gaslight him. I just said, you're right. Let him, you know, let him be where he's at. And then I said, only then when the energy had cleared, I said, are you open to a reflection from me? And he kind of said, okay, yeah. And I said, you know what I see when I see you? He said, no, what you see. I said, I see a young man who's got his good head on his shoulders. He's smart. He's capable. He gets all his work done without being nagged. He's independent, self-motivated. And brilliant. And that's who you are as a result of you raising yourself. So I got to say, you did a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, it just cleared the whole thing up. And, you know, we've had some beautiful, tender, tender, tender moments as a result of that conversation, those series of conversations we had. And this is the benefit of being strong enough only because I healed my mother wound was I able to be present with my son in that way and not feel attacked or need to defend myself because honestly it it doesn't matter. You know, my perspective is my perspective. Of course I have a different view on things, but his perspective is his and I'm not going to deny that to him. That's just like in my view, that was the most single most damaging thing that I experienced was my point of view being denied. You know, so we need to honor and respect each other and honor and respect that each one of us is facing this mother wound in a different way. And as a mother, it's imperative that we do this for sure. And just as any human being, you know, if we want to have a healthy relationship with other people outside of these learned patterns. And we want to rise above to discover like so much more love is available on the other side of healing this than we ever thought was possible. So there's a leap of faith, but, you know, going into those dark shadows, as I know, you know, Randy, when you go into that shadow and you face that stuff and you heal it, it's so uncomfortable and it's so totally liberating. It's the best thing I've ever done. Yes,
0: <laughs> it, it certainly is. Um, been there many times and you know and now um, there's people like you there's people like me there's so many practitioners now that can help guide us in different ways different perspectives um, I mean different methods of guiding us through these issues but when I came through it there was nobody to guide me so it was long a long dark path you know you were saying something about Um, our children and how they chose, you know, this and that, and they chose the mother and they chose the father energy. And, you know, this is who they are. And um, this is something that, you know, I find very comforting and I try to share it with others. When we bring children into this world, they are not ours. They are their own entities. They are, they have their own trajectories. And often as mothers, we feel like we have to get in the way and fix it <laughs> that's wrong in their life, right? And yes, we need to be there as a support system and a guide, you know, and to guide them through these things so that they won't fall on their face. But we have to understand they have to, they're going to feel pain, they're going to have issues, um, and the issues get worse. I mean, they get they get harder and harder to deal with the older the children get when they get to be adults, those issues are even harder. They're even more gut-wrenching. But when I learned that I could just be a support system and be there and not feel like I had to fix it, that really opened up a lot for my children because they didn't feel like they were burdening me with things. You know, it was like, yeah, you know what I mean?
1: It's really hard. It's like the um, temptation to take the pain away is so strong. However, that's a mistake um, that we all make. We all make. <clears throat> and I'm like, the, I've been up until now one of the world's worst meddlers, you know, <laughs> my my older son for sure. And I, I realize now at the other side of that that I did not do him a service. Um, you know, this child really... When he was young, I was at this restaurant with my former husband, his father, and we were just having a dinner and he was only like two years old. And this woman walked up and now I'm convinced it was an angel, walked up and looked at me and said, this child's a rocket ship and he's either (laughs) going to take off into space or he's going to fizzle out. So you got to give him a nice hard boundary. And I ignored that. (laughs) (laughs) And I did everything for this child. But the thing is, is it delayed his progress. It has actually been one of the most frustrating things for him. He's communicated to me that, you know, it's one of the reasons why he's taking a break from me right now is because I'm still learning how to hold a good boundary with him and let him have his own lessons in his own time without my worries, concerns and judgments about his choices, because he can feel those very very dearly um he's super psychic and empathic and many children these days are coming out extremely psychic and empathic so even if you never said anything they can feel it and they know so it is an extra level of mastery to be able to release and let go of those mother concerns that we all get those mother worries and just let them go and let your child go through what he needs to go through you know this child needs a hard edge he needs a harder edge than maybe some other children need and it's hard to watch somebody go through that and they need to go through it because it's part of his soul's curriculum so you know i need to i need to, to just kind of you know work with my hold myself hold my little girl and hold myself if i need to do anything that's the thing to do is to hold myself and let him do what he needs to do
0: right and and when we're wounded we often want to fix everybody else and we forget that we have to fix ourselves first. We have to focus on ourselves. And, you know, and I find this with um, a lot of my clients that are going through the healing Their They, their tendency is to worry about everybody else. And I'm like, bring the focus back to you. You're the one who's hurting. and You can't fix everybody while you're hurting. You have to fix, you have to heal that. You have to heal that inner self. And then if you want to give to the world and be there for the world, fine, you'll have plenty to give, plenty of love to give. Um, So in the last minutes of the show, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, um, you know, tell us about your book, Love is Fierce, and about, uh, again, remind us when we can get it, where we can get it, um, and what you think is so cool about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this book um, I've been working on actually for my whole lifetime, but definitely the last nine years, and, um, and writing it in the last year and a half, and I've had some lots of support. So this book is um, going to be live on Amazon on January 20th, 2021. It's on pre-order right now, so you can pre-order the book. And uh, the summit it's launching with a summit. And the summit, I'm interviewing um, 16 wise women leaders, thought leaders who are just magical in their own rights to talk about different aspects of how can we return to mother wisdom in a healthy way to for the benefit of all of life on earth and for the benefit of our children and our grandchildren generations to come. What's the wisdom and what's the medicine that's needed now? And so each of these women is bringing their perspective on that, which is really powerful. So the summit is called The Return of Mother Wisdom, Mending the Sacred Hoop. And you can get access to the summit and download the first two chapters of Love is Fierce by going to MotherWoundBook.com. It's MotherWoundBook.com and um, entering in your order IDs, you have to pre-order the book, and then you'll get access to the summit and uh, the first two chapters immediately. And it's powerful stuff, it's really good medicine. I'm excited for these, uh, these interviews to be released and for these conversations to happen. We'll be having some conversations on, on Facebook and we'll be having some, some live chats um, as a community. So you know, this is gonna be an engaged experience for anybody who wants this conversation.
0: Oh, that sounds exciting! Now, the summit will this be something that's recorded that can be listened to at you know whenever someone wants to, or um, how how are you doing that?
1: Yeah, so the, all the interviews are pre-recorded and they'll be distributed one per day from January 4th to January 20th. Okay. So um, yeah, and we're going to have some live community calls to discuss uh, some of the topics that are being raised in these uh, interviews. And some engagement on Facebook, so you know definitely um the intent of this summit and of the book conversation as far and wide as possible about how we can heal the mother wound in our own family lines in ourselves and on the planet so that we can be good stewards of the earth as we you know as we promised to be um, we need to take care of the oceans and and the wildlife and 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 the jungles and be more mindful about how we harvest resources. And all of that is possible from a healed place. You know, when we're not drowning in our own drama, um, we can actually be in great service to the world. So this is the fastest, most direct path I know of to elevate humans out of their own dramas and into um, a space where you could actually be a steward of the earth. And that's my goal is to help raise our consciousness so that we can be that for all the animals, the plants and the earth and future generations. Well,
0: I think it's so powerful and you're right. It is the core. It's the root of all of that. Um, And I, you know, I'm so happy that you came here to explain that to us because, you know, I didn't understand exactly what the mother wound is, but you have explained it in a way that really makes us understand how everything is connected and that everything, the love will flow, everything will flow, everything will work better when we all heal our mother wound. So um, I so appreciate you being back with me, and uh, we had a great conversation. Um, So uh, have a great holiday, and um, I wish you well. We'll talk again, I'm sure. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Randy, and blessings to everybody out there as well. I'm so grateful to have been back here, and thanks for listening.